Hey, it's Pastor Bill, and this is a very special edition of the Real Faith for Real Life podcast. So if you're tuning in, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice there's no video this week, just our logo the whole time, and that's because we have a very special guest today who needs to remain anonymous to protect his identity because he's doing sensitive work on the mission field, and he's doing that work in Israel. And so listen, before we dive in, the purpose of this podcast is to help us all think deeply and to think correctly about the places where life and faith intersect. And I like to think of it like, man, it's not just that there's a few places that life and faith intersect and we have to look for those places, but I believe it's the case that life and faith overlap and we need to think about life through the lens of faith in all areas of our lives of course one of the biggest areas uh, dominating the headlines now for week on week on week is the conflict between israel and hamas and as christians um, we need to think deeply about uh, what's going on in the world today and so we are going to devote two episodes to this question. How do we think correctly about the intersection of faith and life in this area of life, in this conflict that's happening now overseas in the Middle East? And we'd already planned on doing an episode devoted to some of those questions before this conflict even happened, before this war even broke out. Um, so next week, we're going to tackle your questions about um, Israel, modern Israel, ancient Israel, the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, questions about how those things uh, are related or not related. How were people saved in the Old Testament? What about the sacrificial system? Um, you all submitted nine questions nine questions about these issues. And so a lot of people are asking a lot of really good and really hard questions about uh, Israel and Israel's role in God's story of redemption then and now. We're going to tackle that next week. I really look forward to that. Some great and some difficult questions, but I think you're going to really enjoy that discussion next week. For this week, uh, as I mentioned, we are excited to have a very special guest with us. And I'm not going to use his name at all throughout the entire podcast. As I mentioned, we're not going to show what he looks like. And that's because the work of missionaries in Israel is a difficult work. And Christian proselytism is not something that uh, is supposed to happen. And so you have to be really wise about how you live out your faith in the Middle East and how you serve as salt and light and point people to the light of Jesus inside that culture. And so as we dive in, uh, I just want to invite you to listen to his story and to absorb his perspective on what it's like to serve Jesus uh, in this area of the world. And maybe it'll give you some new insights to help you understand and contextualize what's happening there even today in the news. So uh, let's dive into this week's featured uh, interview with our missionary to Israel. Baby, 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 
right. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you here today. And it's going to be hard not to use your name, but we are going to do our best to protect your identity. And hey, listen, as we dive in, I'm sure people are really eager to hear about your recent experiences in Israel as this uh, war broke out and your perspective on things. But um, let's just take your story kind of in chronological order. That's, I just like to do that to help people uh, make sense of, of the story. It's great to hear God's activity in your life over time. And so let's go back. Let's rewind all the way to the beginning. And I'd be interested to hear a little bit about how you first began to sense God calling you to the mission field and calling you to Israel in particular. Mm, thank you, Bill. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's really a, a blessing to be here. Uh, yeah, so uh, I come from um, a family, uh, Jewish Jewish being only half of my family, so my dad's side is Jewish and my mom's not. Um, I grew up visiting my dad's parents in Israel uh, throughout my childhood, and uh, we would we'd go once every couple years. And what I saw in Israel as a child was, um, well, first of all, it was beautiful. I loved it and it became a second home. But secondly, you know, in terms of um, the spiritual aspect of Israel, I soon uh, saw that, okay, people don't believe in Jesus. (laughs) And that became really clear to me. And I became a believer when I was very young and um, and I saw that from a young age, and I saw it in my f- own family with my dad's parents and um, and with his sister, and I also just saw it on the streets. You know um, that uh, uh, you know when sometimes when I wore a cross necklace, people would not like that, and uh, and I started to see okay. So uh, in my mind, it started to compute Jewish equals not believing in Jesus, um, and that was kind of my first impression of the Jewish people. Um, I, I can go on, but. And your story began to intersect with our story here at Cascade Fellowship as you came to Grand Rapids for your college education at Calvin. Uh, maybe you want to walk us through that part of your story. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I, as I continued to walk with the Lord, I saw that um, I saw that there needed to be some melding of my Jewish identity with the Lord, and I couldn't any longer you know, say, okay, Jewish equals not believing in Jesus, um, because it's not how it's supposed to be. And I started to see that. I'm, I went to Calvin, I started to go to Calvin in 2012, uh, and then uh, I took a year to go to New York City, actually. And it was a really welcome endeavor, because there I was uh, at a university called Queens College that had about um, 25% Jewish population. And and the Lord started opening my eyes and and bring questions into my mind as to why they don't believe. And um, and I started to talk about them all of a sudden as we instead of they. I started to really kind of um, understand that, wow, um, I am Jewish. I don't have to um, reject this uh, identity uh, because most of the people don't believe in Jesus, um, but I can receive it as my own. And, and that really was the beginning of the decision to move to Israel uh, and to be a, a testimony there to my people. Um, to be in the place of saying, okay, there's hope, instead of saying, no, they've cast him off uh, forever. So, And our church has played an interesting role in your journey. Uh, you attended here in 2015, 2016. We've been supporting you as a mission partner since 2017. Uh, so for almost seven years, we've been supporting your work. And uh, it's interesting work that we want to begin to talk about. I would especially love to hear 
um, just a little bit as you continue to walk us through your story about uh, the unique challenges of ministering in a place like Israel. Mm. Um, you know, it's not like uh, going to um, some uh, country in Africa, let's say, um, for me, because uh, there is a, a personal call back to the land uh, that is a, it's be, it kind of is a, on another wavelength than just going to be a gospel minister. So there's kind of two things going on at once. And I use that card for my, you know, for my immigration or for me coming to Israel is that, hey, I have... Um, the, the rule is if you have one Jewish grandparent, then you can move back to Israel uh, as a Jewish person. And so um, and that's what I presented to the, um, the government there. And, um, and I was honest, actually, the Lord led me to be honest in um, talking about my faith. And they did ask what I believe, uh, even shared very directly about that. And, um, and I waited about three months to hear an answer. And after three months, I said, here's your citizenship. So it was a very quick uh, reception of citizenship. And, uh, and after that, after you receive that, it's kind of just, you know, welcome. So, uh, yeah. Um, we're kind of out in the country, so we're not, uh, you know, in the city at all. But, um, yeah, currently it's been uh, really... Uh, so, first of all, I want to just say that the culture in the Middle East is so much different than what we know here in the West. And, and it's not awkward to sit down with people uh, that you don't know or kind of force yourself into a table of strangers and drink a cup of coffee. Um, and that's really something that I had to get used to, you know, along with the language. And I, I speak Hebrew now and I'm learning Arabic and there's this um, there's this warmth in the Middle East that you just have to accept and know exists in order to enter into conversation. So that's kind of what we do. We go around town to town, um, and kind of wedge ourselves into conversations and go to coffee shops and um, and places, you know, food trucks and different things like that. Um, and we just try to see where the open doors are, and and uh, and lead with joy and invite people into conversation about. You know how they view the gospel. The culture in Israel is so religiously complex uh, because you have Arab Muslims, Arab Christians, uh, sects like Druzism, uh, and then obviously Judaism. And everybody is so uh, aware that they're in this, you know, religious uh, swimming pool, and they they don't know how to sift out all the information. So it's just getting in there, answering their questions, and uh, and trying to help them through some of that. Wow, and learning Arabic too, man. Could there be anything more, more multicultural than trying to reach all of these people groups for Jesus? And um, man, I wonder about the challenges uh, of reaching such different kinds of people for Jesus or really any religion other than the one uh, that they grew up in. Well, it, you know, Islam and, and Judaism are opposites in many ways, even though they share a lot in terms of being monotheistic. Um, Islam is kind of, we accept every prophet. That's the kind of general claim. And then it, Judaism is we, we're not going to accept anyone but God kind of thing. Um, so you have the, that real big difference. And so um, it's, it's a little more natural to talk about Jesus with a, a Muslim because they, they have an idea and a conception. He kind of fits into their picture, you could say. Uh, and for Judaism, there, there's an, more of an all-out rejection. Um, but... Um, but I have found that, and that actually it is easier with Jewish people to talk about, um, Jesus because you, you know what scripture you're talking about. You're, you're referring to the old Testament, uh, and with, uh, with a Muslim, usually you need to, uh, say, Hey, um, 
the Quran isn't correct and we need to go to the Old Testament to learn about who Messiah is and how to know God. And so there's an extra stumbling block there, I think. Um, but, but what's beautiful is that, you know, I have this vision for um, Muslims, let's say in Israel and probably, you know, even more than just in Israel, but to say, hey, we, we found your Messiah, you know, talking to the Jewish people, we found that, um, that the Messiah of the Old Testament is, is Jesus. And, uh, and to turn and say we were wrong. I believe that that day will come and um, that, that could be the, the very last step, you know, uh, of jealousy for the Jewish people, I hope. Yeah, yeah and of course the relation between uh, the Jewish people and the Palestinian people, it's in the news uh, constantly now. And I uh, should be real careful in how we talk about this because the war is not between... Uh, all Israeli people and all Palestinian people, but uh, the war that's being fought is the Israeli government trying to uh, eliminate the terrorist threat of the Hamas um, group. And so I wonder as people watch all of this unfold, um, if you can help bring some nuance and some context to help us understand what it's like to live in Israel. I mean, I remember uh, I went there right before COVID to 2019 and our tour guide was a Palestinian Christian. And so we got to see really a life from a lot of different angles in Israel. And we interacted with and met some Palestinian folks. And my impression was uh, most Palestinian folks there are average everyday people trying to make a living, trying to put food on the table for their children, uh, trying to exist and live. And um, still, of course, to that, we have to add the nuance that uh, the leadership in Gaza, Hamas, wants Israel not to exist. And Israel is uh, in an existential fight for its right to exist. And um, boy, that, that's a lot to bring into the equation of how we think about what's happening there now. And so I just kind of want to ask, what's your point of view? What's your take on the current state of relations there? What have you observed? And just help us bring some nuance into our understanding of what it's like in Israel. I can give a, just a little insight into this past summer, for instance, I was going out from town to town, uh, um, Arab towns. I just went to Arab towns and, uh, in the Galilee and um, all the way from the coast, all the way into the, the Sea of Galilee and, uh, and got a really good sense of where people's you know, hearts are at, I think, toward, uh, toward the state and toward uh, Jewish people. Overall, I think people are really happy with their lives, the, the people who are within Israel. And I'm talking about... Um, Arab towns within the state of Israel, not in the West Bank or in Gaza, um, because um, as an Israeli passport holder, I usually don't go into those places. Um, but uh, but the people who are within Israel overall have a really warm um, thought toward Israel. Now, um, the only places that I didn't, uh, I had different experiences were in bigger cities like Nazareth, uh, and then sometimes you can uh, get this, um, they want to send a message of, um, persecution back with the nations um, to uh, to share, um, and there is there a feeling of um, 
uh, of thinking back to what happened um, back in 48, and there is this um, desire to have the land back. Uh, but that's very rare, at least within Israel, in my experience. So I, I can't say too much about um, what the thought is within the West Bank and Gaza. Yeah. Well, obviously, you're here in the States now for about six weeks or so. Um, and you didn't intend to be here. This was not a planned furlough. Um, there was a point in your story where you realized you needed to leave Israel, at least for a while. And I'd be interested in exploring that part of your story now for a few minutes. Um, for anyone who's been in Israel, you know, um, warning sirens, um, the Iron Dome, it's all part of everyday existence there and skirmishes. And I wonder when you realized that what was happening was more than just these ongoing skirmishes and that you needed to consider getting your family out for a little bit. Um, so what was it like where you were in Israel? Yeah, sure. Um, we're kind of up uh, about about 15 miles away from Syria, about 30 miles from Lebanon. Um, and so we're, we're definitely not uh, south where everything happened originally. Um, but we started to notice that within a couple days after October 7th that, um, that it seemed like almost every reservist was being called up to, uh, to fight. Uh, we saw in, you know, up in our area the tanks uh, going up to the northern border and everything being, uh, the army being arrayed along the northern border. Uh, also, just uh, you know, we got word from the U.S. that they're offering evacuation flights, and other countries also are doing the same. Um, so we felt this push from you know this kind of uh, uh, maybe some kind of uh, insight from the nations that something might happen. Um, yeah, we just we're aware of the scripture as well. Like this is something that we have as believers that's really beneficial to us uh, is that we're aware that things will escalate one day. And when we see certain things come to pass, that that means that it could escalate. Um, whereas our, our, you know, our perspective is not, um, hey, just let it calm down and it'll be peace forever. Like that's not what we know will happen. One day there will be an escalation that requires the help of Messiah Himself for Israel, and that, um, you know, we look forward to that day. And we we're still weighing the, you know, as a family, we're still weighing the cost of do we want to be there for that day. Uh, but I think for now, you know, with uh, we have two little kids and, uh, you know, in light of the whole ground, um, the invasion that there was in the South, uh, we wanted to um, kind of take a step back and see if that kind of thing could happen in the North. And we pray it doesn't, but we know that it could. And so, um, yeah, we just have to pray and see. So as we begin to wrap up, I wonder, you know, you're back here on furlough. You're going to be um, connecting with churches and supporters. You're going to be doing some, hopefully, rest and revitalization and refreshment and um, uh, even language learning. But uh, now that you're here and you're connecting with churches, and uh, this is this podcast is one way of connecting to our church and to other churches. Uh, I wonder if you have a message for them. I wonder, again, if there's anything you might say to bring uh, your perspective, your point of view, any nuance uh, into our understanding of what's happening now. Anything you want to say to the churches? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think that it's just important that we keep the glory of Jesus in our before our eyes. Um, that Really, all of this, uh, all of world history is leading to the glorification of Jesus. 
and um, and and we know that, but sometimes we're not comfortable with how it, it happens. Um, but I think that just to keep it right before our eyes, that um, that He wants to reveal Himself as Lord to the whole entire earth. Uh, that that is, it's not something that's localized to the Middle East, and we see already that hey, pretty much any issue that erupts, like the whole world is viewing it, um, and just imagining that on a grander scale, you know, when when there's a kingdom on earth uh, and our king is reigning. Uh, and I think, you know, when we look at what's happening now, it's really important just to see um, how much God is trying to show us that it's not the subjective, um, you do your thing, I do my thing kind of worldview that pretty much everybody's accepting now. It's the fact is light doesn't dwell with darkness. Let's say, um, the Quran and the Old Testament don't cannot mend. They're not the same. Uh, that God is re- truly one. That He wants to reveal Himself in that way. And you know, it says in Zechariah that you know, in that day, that the the Lord will be one. His name will be one. That um, that that day is coming. And I think that we should um, pray for the salvation of both sides uh, as they're going through terrible things, uh, especially you know people right now in Gaza being cut off from even communication. And, you know, we've read these things in the news that in this darkness that, that Jesus would shine his light into their lives. Um, but really toward, toward the end of God, bring your kingdom on earth, because really it's not just them who are in darkness. It's, it's a lot of people in the whole world and we need this kingdom to be established. And I think, um, the more that we start to read the Old Testament, uh, literally in terms of God's faithfulness to to Israel um, and to be glorified uh, through uh, through His relationship with them, um, and to bring salvation to the earth, the more we'll start to understand. Okay, what what might be going on here? So, well, there's a lot of people here supporting you and praying for you, and we want to close just by asking you to help us um, know how we can best pray for you. Wow, you could, yeah, definitely pray for my family just to be able to have the time to recount the cost. You know, when we moved to Israel, it wasn't, we did not count the cost of living there in wartime, especially with kids. And so uh, that would be our biggest prayer right now. Well, let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for this brother and this friend, this coworker, the cause of the gospel. And we pray especially for him and his family now that this time back in the States would be uh, a good time for them to uh, rest and find refreshment and renewal and that uh, they might again anew count the cost of serving you in the way that they do. We pray just thanking you for the work that you're accomplishing through them and others who are bringing the hope of Jesus to people, all kinds of people all over the world. And uh, we thank you for being gracious enough to let us be a part of that story, for writing us as a church into that story, and many other churches as well. So God, uh, provide what our brother here needs in every single way. Go before him and accomplish great things through him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, as I mentioned, next week we'll continue thinking about these things uh, by answering your questions about the Bible's message. 
about um, Israel then, Israel now, and uh, the interrelation of the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, the path of salvation, the way people are saved, and how we think about the church and Israel. Um, Man, really good questions coming up next week. I hope you won't miss it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you then. Bye.